1: Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment. Folks, let's rock and roll. The 2021 Indian Wells officially underway. We had a few main draw matches on Wednesday, but the action really begins to heat up here on Thursday. Now, if you've never heard these segments before, what we do on the Ace of the Day podcast is offer our picks for the days matches. We'll be doing that each and every day throughout the 2021 Indian Wells. I'll be running through my favorite money lines, my favorite underdogs, the spreads, the over-unders, the parlays, the futures bets, you name it. We'll be covering it here on this show. I'm going to try and recover from what was, I can only say, a poor performance during the 2021 US Open. Now, you combine that performance with Wimbledon, we're about even on the year. But of course, that's unacceptable. We play to win here on this GSP Ace of the Day segment. It's called Indian Wells. What are we going to call it? Windy and Wells, because we're going to be doing so much winning throughout the course of the next 10 days. That is how we are going to remember the event on today's show. I want to offer you all my picks for Thursday's matches. Now, you can usually expect these segments to come out late in the evening each and every day. We want to get them to you before the day's matches start. That way, you have time to put in your bets, have time to absorb all of the information. It's getting off to a bit of a late start today, I do apologize for that fact. You may hear it in my voice. It was my birthday yesterday, and Crack Rackets teammates Daniel Westoff and Dalton Thieneman treated it as such. They took me out. That's why we have the delay in today's segment. I do apologize for that fact. I feel like whenever you use, it was my birthday yesterday, that's about the only time you can get away with that excuse, so we're going to use it here today. But again, you can expect these segments to drop on the Great Shot Podcast feed on our website, crackrackets.com, to be tweeted out as well each and every night before the subsequent day's play begins. Of course, we'll be previewing, uh, recapping, excuse me, all the action day in, day out on our Mini Break Podcast feed, Match of the Day segments for our Patreon family. If you're interested in those, it's a deep dive of my favorite Match of the Day. We get into the stats, we get into the game plans, I offer a prediction. You can learn more about about that, by joining our Patreon family, which you can find all the information for on our website, crackrackets.com. But with all of the plugs out of the way, again, day one Indian Wells. Indian Wells in October, not something any of us are accustomed to, but with that in mind, let's rock and roll. Here are my GSP Ace of the Day selections for day one in the desert. Let's start. Where we always start the money line picks, the over under, or excuse me, the favorites and the underdogs. I like just straight up on the day. Now, of course, I'm always going to try and find some value in these picks as well. They're either going to be underdogs or no higher than minus two hundred favorites. I've got a couple of favorites I'm keeping my eye on in that range: Asun Wu Kwan minus two hundred five, over Guido Peya, Donna Vekic, minus minus two hundred, over Astra Sharma on minus one ninety five over Anna Shmidlova. But again, that's not the best value. You have to bet, what, $2 to win one in return on any of those picks. If you start to look at the game spreads, though, you like each of those players individually. You can get more value by taking them to win, you know, by two and a half games, by three and a half games or more. So keep those players in mind. We'll get back to them when we get to our spreads. But perhaps those are a few players you might want to throw in a parlay. Those are some players I feel confident in. Buzkova Trevisan is going to be interesting. Neither player has had that much success here in 2021. Certainly on a slow hardcourt, you like Trevisan's odds better, but I think that matches a track meet. I like Buzkova minus 150. Munar to Burner, two guys with just loads of clay court success, slow hardcourt in Indian Wells. I expect that to be a battle. I'd lean Munar, but again, battle on our hands If Mackie McDonald was playing anyone else, he would be a surefire selection in our GSP Ace of the Day Moneyline picks here today, but he's got the duck. James Duckworth, who's coming off of a final in Noor Sultan, who played, I think, what was it, quarterfinals in Sofia? Maybe it was semifinals. I know he was knocked out by Yannick Sinner in a really fun straight set match that saw him have leads in both of those sets, have opportunities to flip that match. The Ducks has been excellent of late, but so has Mackie McDonald. And let's not forget, Mackie McDonald is a California kid, NCAA singles and doubles champion while at UCLA, a guy who won the Easter Bowl back in the day. Now, I don't believe the those are at the Indian, well court, Indian Wells courts, but look, these are conditions he grew up in. In a slow, hard court, you're going to give Mackie McDonald a little bit more time to get into his shots, and you're still on a hard court, and of course, he's the sort of athlete that when he's clicking, taking the ball early, moving forward, he can hit through and be aggressive on any sort of hard court surface. I mean, I really like... Mackie's game here in Indian Wells, but the Duck has been just so rock solid physically. He puts so many extra balls in play. And again, how are you going to get a ball by him on this surface? His slice is going to sit funny on these courts. He's going to be able to swing through forehands as well. That match is a pick-em. Mackie right now minus 130 favorite, but the Duck is plus 105. A tentative stay away, though I lean Mackey, but that's a really fun match on the day. Another California kid, and you're gonna see a lot of that as a theme. Max Cressy minus one hundred fifteen over Laszlo Jira, of course. A slow hard court is better for Laszlo Jira than about ninety percent of hard courts and when Cres but Cressy's serving big, and I think it was Vance Vermani who tweeted out a stat about Milos Raonic's success at Indian Wells. That's the testament to if you can hit the big serve, hit the big kick, you just that ball is gonna bounce that much higher. You have that much more time to move forward get to the net uh, assert your positioning as a servant volleyer. and when Cressy has time to do that good luck against him and so you know given Laszlo's lack of success on hard courts given Cressy's success in these conditions and again he's another UCLA product I don't uh, you can understand why Cressy despite a high amount of ATP level pedigree certainly masters level pedigree uh, you can understand why he's a favorite entering that match. Claire Lou Kalinskaya is another interesting one. Claire Lou, plus 105, California kid. She's been so exceptional this season across levels. She's made a couple of WTA-level quarterfinals throughout the year. And look, a slow hard court, given all the clay court success she's had. You love this surface for Claire Lou. At the same time, Kalinskaya, her weapons, they're going to hit through anything. Lou at plus 105 is certainly interesting, but it's just a slight stay away. However, all of that said, the matches, the picks I do have for you in terms of money line selections are three american underdogs all uh all american men i should say underdogs on the day and we talk so frequently here at crack rackets about the rise of american men's tennis this season we may not have an elite guy right now although certainly players like opelka who just made a master's final and young sebastian corda jensen brooksby brandon nakashima of course um, I feel bad not saying Fritz, Tiafo Paul, naming every name out there right now. We may not have the upper, upper echelon guy, a Medvedev, a Tsitsipas, a Zverev amongst that group right now. But the depth in American men's tennis has been one of the standout features of this 2021 season. It's undeniable. And you look at the matchups we have tomorrow— It's a couple of guys who I think shouldn't be underdogs given the context of their opponents that they are present us with opportunities to grab value on the board. And the first guy I want to start with is Marcos Girón. The former UCLA NCAA champion, his was 2014. I want to say Mackie's was 2016. They were on the same team, and they didn't win the NCAA championships in 2014. Believe me, we've talked about that topic numerous times on Crack Rackets College Tennis-centric podcast. That team had number one in the country. Clay Thompson, it wasn't even Jerome who was playing two singles, and Mackie was playing three, and you had a healthy Gage Brimer, and you had Carousel, and you had Giulio and you had Puget, and you had all of these freaking options. Anyway, sorry, I'm not going to get carried away here, but Marco Jerome has been Exceptional. One of the best stories of this 2021 season. And you look for Jerome, he enters the week at a new career high in the ATP rankings, number 56 overall. You look for him overall here uh, this season. It's been a season of first for him, 20 and 18 overall and the year, uh, but it's been strictly ATP level matches. And you look for Marcos Jerome, uh, excuse me, 20 and 18 on hard courts here uh, this season, uh, but it's, or excuse me, overall, but he's been playing strictly at the the ATP level and you look for him, he was able to make a third round at Roland Garros make a second round at Wimbledon and the US Open. I believe he's now thirteen and six on the year in first round matches at the ATP level. Twenty and eighteen doesn't sound flashy. But that's how you crack the top 75. That's how you stay competing in ATP Tour-level events, and you look for Garon on the year. It's been just, again, the consistency for him across surfaces. He's made four different quarterfinals, uh, three of them on hard courts, three of them in the past couple of months. You look for him, made a quarterfinal in Winston-Salem when he was knocked out by Carlos Alcaraz, made the quarterfinal at the Moselle Open a few weeks ago before getting knocked out by Peter uh, Goyavchuk, and then, of course, last. Week ends up making a run to the semifinals uh, of the action in Sofia. You look for him uh, again on the season, f- uh, or excuse me, in that event. He's knocked out by 7 5 756 Love, but gets wins over Demon Hour. And he's beaten Demon Hour twice in the past two weeks. Gets a win over John Millman, a win over Moonar, win over Rindernesh on indoor hard courts. He's just done it across levels. And you look for Marco Girone, which, as I mentioned, 28 and 21 overall here, excuse me, in 2021. That's across levels uh, this season. That includes qualifying results as well. But you break that down by ranking against, you know, players ranked outside the top 50, Girone is 22-9 this season, a 71% win percentage. He's proven he belongs in that top 50 mix. You look for him in terms of statistics like the race uh, to the year-end finals and in terms of points accumulated on the season. Marcos Giron again, uh, he's accumulated the 61st most points on the year. You look at the advanced metrics, ELO ratings for Marcos Giron. They have him all the way up to number 47 in overall ELO. You look for him uh, in terms of 2021 specific ELO. Marco Chiron uh, currently sitting uh, at number 38. He's been a top 50 guy here this season. And the reason I bring all of that up is because tomorrow he's a plus 100 underdog against, I would say, a guy who has emerged as one of tennis Twitter's favorites. Certainly the hardcore fans have certainly enjoyed getting the most of Botik Vandesen's scope. And you look for Vandesen's scope, who, by the way, just turned 26 two days, uh, three days ago. He's October 4th, 95. Me and Juan Pablo Varias, October 6th, 1995. Happy belated birthday to you, BVDZ. Uh, obviously, he was one of the breakthrough stars of the 2021 U.S. Open. And you look for him overall uh, in the last 52 weeks. botick van de uh 52-21. Overall, that's a 71% win percentage. You look for him. He's uh, made the finals of multiple challenger events. He made the final over in Amersfoort back in July. Excuse me. I think that's his only challenger final. Oh, no, no, no. There was one at the end of 2020. That's the one. Excuse me. I'm confusing it with. But over the last 52 weeks, multiple challenger uh, finals. You look for him in terms of semifinals reached. He's made it to five different semifinals. Oh, no. Oh, excuse me. Six different semifinals. One of them he had to withdraw from. It's been an incredible year for him and obviously making the quarterfinals at the US Open it's propelled him into the top 70. He enters this event at Indian Wells number 65 in the rankings. However, you look for him overall in his career. This is his first Masters event for Botick Vandessen Schulp and you look for him overall on the season here in ATP level matches, he's 9 and 6 overall, 9 and 7 for his career. Botic gets two wins in qualifying to advance to the main draw here Uh, at Indian Wells, gets wins over Polanski in straight sets over Kwiatkowski in three sets. But you look for botic Vendesin Schulp who got 44 and 19 here in 2021. I mentioned Jerome 22 and 9 against opponents outside the top 50. Now credit to botic Vendesin Schulp; he's 40 and 14 against opponents ranked outside the top 50. However, you look of those matches, you know, of that 44 and four, uh, 40 and 14 record, excuse me, all but two of those matches have been played against opponents ranked outside the top one hundred. You look for Botic Vendesen Sculp. his record against top one hundred opponents this season, he's five and six overall on the year. You look at that record for Marcos Giron in terms of top one hundred opponents, he's twenty and sixteen. So I do know Botic has had all this success of late, and obviously for Vendison Sculp to get wins over Schwartzman, over Rude at the US Open, that was as impressive as anything Giron has done this season. But that said, Botic is making his Indian Wells Masters debut, and I know, you know, he plays a tricky game. There's no denying that. In the slow, high-bouncing hard courts, I do think they're going to play well for uh, Van Sculpt's game. But let's remember, Marcos Giron made the round of 32, and that was one of his breakthrough performances at Indian Wells back in 2019. He qualifies, he beats Chardy, he beats Diemenauer again before getting knocked out in three sets by Milos Rejonic. Garone is comfortable in these conditions. He's been here before. He's the more experienced player at the ATP level. I don't think he's going to be thrown off by the Vendison sculpt story. I think he, you know, again, that mental edge... That Boettik has had in qualifying and that he now carries at the challengers that doesn't exist in this match. Giron has been playing ATP level events week in, week out. He's back in his home state. I just think we're getting value at plus one hundred. And again, from a matchup perspective, I don't think Giron is going to be thrown off by the slice Van de Skull plays with by his constant, you know, aggression and his willingness to move forward. I think Giron is at his best when he's improvising in the outer thirds of the court. I think this is a good matchup for Giron. Of course, you look for them uh, this season in terms of just the metrics. uh, Giron holding serve 78.7% of the time, breaking serve 19.6% of the time. You look for uh, Botic; He's holding serve 75.9% of the time. So again, that's lower than Giron. But of course, he's breaking serve 30.7% of the time. However, you look for him against top 100 opponents. That number drops to 196 the metrics suggest it. I think the body of work here in 2021 suggests it. Marcos Giron should not be an underdog, so let's grab the value. I also just think he's going to win the match straight up. Give me Giron plus 100 over Van Sculp. We're going to throw a full unit on it to win one unit in return. That's ace of the day number one. Now, I promise I won't spend that long on each and every pick because we've got a bunch of picks to work through here on day one. Of course, it's early in events that we feel like we find so much opportunity Two more money lines for you. JJ Wolf plus 105 over Vashik Pospisil. Now, you look for JJ Wolf 8 and 11 over his last 52 weeks, but of course, you look for him during that time span. uh, That featured, obviously. Multiple injuries for him. He had an ab injury. He had an appendix issue. And so he's been out for a while. He was able to start working his way back here at the start of the summer hardcourt stretch. He goes to Atlanta, knocked out by Isner in three sets. Goes to Los Cabos. Of course, Isner wins in Atlanta. He goes to Los Cabos, knocked out by Nakashima in three sets in the first round. Of course, Nakashima goes on to make the final in Los Cabos now in DC Qualies he loses to Elias Emer 6 and 6 not the best you know again that's a match you'd think you would like to see him win there but 6 and 6 no qualms with that sort of performance, and you look uh, for him, you know, moving through Cincinnati-Canada Masters. He loses three sets to Tiafo in Canada, straight sets to Giron in Cincinnati. He, you know, makes the core, uh, semifinals of the Columbus Challenger, beats Tennis Sandgren 7-6 in the third before getting knocked out 7-5 in the third by eventual Challenger champ uh, Columbus Challenger champion Stefan Kozlov. He's working his way back into form. And, of course, you look for J.J. Wolf prior to his injury, 46-22. and 22 in his career in hardcore challenger level matches you look at the success he was having before the pandemic hit in 2020 this was a guy who was so clearly on the rise you look for him he won that numea challenger and then uh you know he goes to columbus and wins the challenger there as well and you know again he won champagne champagne at the end of 2019 as well was the best college tennis player in the country and lost what two total times in that 2019 season he was a guy clearly on his ascension hopefully towards the top 100 reached a career high of number 120 in September of last year he's working his way back from injury and I just think his serve his forehand I don't care the court speed Uh, if it's a hard court he's going to have opportunities to hit through it and I like his matchup today against Vashik Pospisil. You look for Pospisil, 15-18 and 18 in his last 52 weeks. He's a guy who, you know, you look at his last big run. He made the final of Sofia last season, but outside of that, he's made just one quarterfinal here in 2021. That was on the grass courts of Eastbourne. He got a win over Fonini in five sets at the U.S. Open, but, you know, lose the second round. Oh, I like, think that's not a bad loss to Avashka at Moselle a couple of weeks ago. Uh, beats Barrera first round before getting knocked out by Murray. Loses to Jarosimov in Sofia. I just think this is going to be a match played on power tennis terms, and I just think J.J. Wolf is super, super hungry right now. And I'm not saying Vashik Pospisil isn't, but J.J.'s been on the precipice of, you know, again, Breaking through that top 100, and I think a big main draw win here at Indian Wells would set him right on the course. I see the narrative here. I also just see from a weapon standpoint again, this is going to be power tennis at its finest. Paz Basile obviously going to be going after the first serve, serving and volume, but. JJ's so decisive on those returns. All he's got to connect is with two, three of them in a return game, force an error from Pospisil as well. He's got himself the break of serve, and I just think he's going to be able to keep pace with Pospisil on serve, which is, of course, the key. And then I think he's just a little bit more dynamic. From the baseline, so we're getting value there. Plus 105 on JJ Wolf. Again, neither guy has played great of late. I think Pospisil's form more indicative of just how much he has going on right now. Wolf's form more indicative of him still returning from injury. Give me JJ plus 105 over Pospisil, half a unit to win 0.52, and then give me Stevie J plus 125 over Davidovich-Fokina. Look, Stevie J is 13-17 in his last 52, but since the start of the North American hardcore stretch, quarterfinal in Los Cabos, loses to Fritz in three sets in in Atlanta, quarterfinals of Washington before getting knocked out by the eventual champion in center, you know, a loss at the U.S. Open to Guayal Monfils in four sets, but super competitive match for him there. Now, a three-set loss in San Diego you don't love, but... Indian Wells has always been a place where Stevie Johnson brings his best tennis and you look for him just the last uh, six uh, five losses, excuse me, for him at Indian Wells. 2019, he beats Fritz first round, knocked out by Shapovalov. 2018, he loses to Medvedev. 2017, beats Kevin Anderson, knocked out by Federer, 6-6. Six and six. 2016, beats Millman, knocked out by Nishikori, 6-6. Six and six. 2015, beats Grenoulier, uh beats Ivo Karlovic, knocked out by Burdich in straight sets. He is the quintessential... King of California tennis. We talked about it with Mackey, with Giron, with Cressy. No, 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 no. When you're playing tennis in Steve uh, in California, you kiss Stevie Johnson's ring, and you look at the hard court results of late. Again, it hasn't been exceptional, but it's been a lot better for Stevie, and he's just he's more fit than he was 15 months ago and you know he just seems to be hitting the serve well going after the forehand with renewed confidence playing with a freedom that you just haven't seen from him in a little bit of time and of course he's talked openly about how much he prefers playing in front of fans to the quarantine bubbled life of the 2020 tour that's brought on his best tennis and now he gets his home crowd behind him as well of course it's worth remembering beyond his main draw success in the Indian Wells Masters event the last player to win a main draw match prior to this tournament starting at indian wells was stevie johnson when he won the indian wells challenger in 2020 the last match before the pandemic was called uh uh, caused the tour excuse me to be uh to suspend play for a while he also matches up tomorrow with a guy in alejandro davidovich Fokina. Who just has not played good tennis of late. Since losing to Djokovic in the round of 16 at the Olympics, Davidovich Fokina has lost five of his last six. That includes losses to Trungaletti, to Basil to Benoit Pair. Now, I don't no shame in a three-set loss to Herbie, Hubi Hercotts, no shame in a loss to Isner on those courts in Canada. But even his three-set win in Moselle over Jill Simone, he isn't playing good tennis right now and I just think again Davidovich Fokina is not playing well enough to make me think he has a definitive edge over Stevie and if you're not going to be way better at the tennis than Stevie and his serve his forehand is going to give Davidovich Fokina troubles and I don't think Davidovich Fokina hits the ball big enough to constantly put that Johnson backhand under pressure I just think intangibly tennis wise both factors this match leans toward Stevie and so at plus 125, I feel like we're grabbing value there. Now, it's only a half unit bet, but give me Stevie plus 125, half a unit to win .62. Those are your money line aces of the day. And again, it's the opening segment, so you know I'm going to get in-depth here. We'll try and shorten these as we progress throughout the week. But let's move next to our over-unders, our spreads on the day. And of course, you can read all of these picks on our website, CrackRackets.com. But just to read you through some of my thoughts, because there are a ton of over-unders I like on the day. You know, matches to go the distance, Garcia-Flipkins, Van Drusseva-Golubik, Sevastova-Hertzog, Buzkova-Trovicin, Sharif-Kovinich, even Lou Kalinskaya for the women, for the men. I mean, Mackie and the Duck feel destined for three. Doesn't a matchup, even Garon vandesen scope? I think all of the matches I said where the underdogs could win, that's indicative of they could very well go three sets as well. Popper and Kasmenovic is going to be decided 7-6 in the third. I'm just not sure yet who's going to win, but at plus 140, that one's interested. Uh, interesting. Again, Munar uh, over to burner half a game is minus one forty. If you want the Munar money line, it's minus one fifty. So there's value there. Ditto for McDonald minus half a game. He's minus one twenty five versus the money line where he's minus one thirty. So if you're confident about either of those favorites, that might be the play for you. But out of the over unders and money lines, uh, excuse me, and spreads, the two I are the three I like most. Give me Ana Konya, minus two and a half games over Ana Shmidova. You look for Konya, 49 and 27 over her last 52. You look for her in tour level matches this season. She's 38 and 18 overall in those last 52 weeks. You want to narrow that down for hard courts? Fine. She's 20 and 10. During that stretch, round of 16 in Miami, semifinals in San Jose, you know, for her to qualify at the U.S. Open before losing 6-2 first round, well, it turned out that first round loss was to eventual finalist Leila Fernandez, so I don't think there's any shame in that. A loss to Pavlochenkova and Ostrova, no shame in that. Now, the loss to Gasanova in Nur Sultan was certainly a puzzling one but again i just think anaconia is on the warpath number 78 right now in the live rankings you look at the advanced metrics she's uh, significantly higher in in all of those metrics you look at something like elo rating for anaconia she jumps up even further you look for i believe right now in terms of overall Uh, Elo Konya right now ranks uh, currently 69th. You look for her in terms of 2021 specific Elo Konya currently at 64th. You look for her in the points race Anna Konya currently all the way up to 48th. Yeah, she's been a top 50 player by the majority of metrics this season. Of course, that hold percentage for her uh, is currently at a career high. She's still working her way towards the break percentage career high she had prior to her injury, but look she's played some really good tennis here this season and of course you look and this is my first time bringing it up and I'll go back and tell you them for the underdog picks but you look at tennis abstracts formula uh here for this match they have Anaconia as a 58.1% favorite over Schmidova at 42%. And look, Schmidova has been solid this season, 37-21 in her last 52 weeks, 16 and 19 overall in terms of on hard court matches, but You look for her in terms of, again, her rankings via opponents. Against non top 100 players, she's 27 and 12 over the last 52 weeks against top 100 players. She's 10 and 9. You look for Anaconia. Those splits are far more, uh, I suppose, kind. Overall, you look for her again, 49 and 27 during that stretch against opponents ranked outside the top 100. She's 34 and 14. You look for her outside of that stretch, 15 and 13 against top 100 opponents. I would go Anaconia. I mean, I, I wouldn't just go. I, I feel confident in Anaconia winning this match. I think she's going to win it comfortably as well. I just think from a matchup perspective, and again, you give her a little extra time to move to the ball like this surface will, I think she's going to be lights out here in Indian Wells. Minus two and a half games over Shmodova really means she just needs to get one break in each set, a four and four, a five and four, even a six and four sort of win. She really just needs to win in straight sets, get one break more than her opponent, Minus 145 aren't the great odds, but give me Konya minus two and a half games over Smadova, one unit to win .68. I also like Tomjanovic, minus three and a half games over Usoy Arcanada. You look for Tomjanovic here this season, 24 and 20 in her last 52. But of course, since making that run to the quarterfinal of Wimbledon, she loses in three sets to Svitolina at the Olympics, three sets to Putin Seva in San Jose, makes it to the third round of the U.S. Open, wins over Martic and Volinets before getting knocked out by Pliskova. You know, first-round loss to Marquette Vandrusva in Chicago, I think, can be explained away. I just think she's turned a corner. I think she, just physically something has clicked for her here in her age 28 season, and there's just a confidence that she's playing with. And look, with all due respect to Arcanada, who's coming off of a win at the 60K in Berkeley, who got impressive wins over Rodian, Rodiana, uh, Rodianova excuse me, and Beatriz Maya. Uh, In qualifying, to qualify for this event, but you look for her overall now, you know, that's seven matches in about 10 days. It's a lot of tennis for Arcanada. Now she's going to have to stand the test physically against Tamjanovic, and you look for Arcanada in her career uh, against top 50 opponents. Uh, I don't think she has a win yet against the top 50 opponent. 0-3 in her three shots, losses to Putin, Saban, Martic, and Zhang. I just think this is a tough spot for Arcanada, who deserves all the credit in the world for qualifying in this match, but I just think minus three and a half games, one lopsided set in a straight set victory, or two, uh, one break def- difference in each set, I think Tomjanovic covers that. So minus 150, one unit to win, 0.66 on that as well. And then the last one I have to throw in the mix my guy, Sun Wu Kwan, coming off of a Noor Sultan final. And that's a slow, high bouncing hardcore. Brought out his best tennis, similar stuff in Indian Wells. You look for Kwon 25 and 18 on the season, has made quarterfinals on all three surfaces at the ATP level. He's won a challenger title this year as well. He's taking on Guido Pea, and you look for Guido Peya here of late. Obviously, the lefty from Argentina, always going to be more well-known for his clay court success than his hard court runs. He did have a run to the round of 16 in Cincy, beat Goffin, beat Fodenini before getting knocked out by Zverev, but you look for him, uh, you know, overall this season on the hard courts. He is, I believe, yeah, four and five overall on the hard courts, six and 16 overall on the season Quan's playing his best tennis, up to 55 in the rankings. That's a new career high. Paya currently at number 77. Again, by every metric you pick, Quan's been the better guy. All he's got to do is win by that single break deficit in each set or one lopsided set. Even if it's a three set win, I still think Quan will cover the two and a half games. This is just better odds for him. You get him at minus two and a half games at minus 130. That's better than the minus 205 money line. So give me Quan minus two and a half games over Paya, minus 130, one unit 20 win 0.76, although of course slow, high-bouncing high court is worth noting. Guido Pea will play some pretty good tennis today, but again, this is a bet on Quan's form of late. Those are your uh, spreads, your over-under suggestions on the day, and again, you can reread all of that on our website, CrackRackets.com, in case you missed any of the picks. Of course, i got to get to the parlays now. It wouldn't be an Ace of the Day segment if we didn't have one of those. I'm going to go Another all-American parlay. That's the theme of the day. Put our money where our mouth is. Let's see these Americans have some success early at Indian Wells. Give me Tommy Paul minus 370 over Feliciano Lopez. Parlay that money line with Tiafo minus 285 over Benoit Pair. Now, it's only minus 141 odds. That's not great. But these are two matches, quite frankly, the young Americans— I don't want to just say should win they need to win them you look for Feliciano Lopez 14 and 24 over his last 52 weeks he's lost uh, six of his last seven matches his only win a 7-6-6-4 win over Max Cressy in qualifying for the Masters over in Canada I mean you look for him just overall on the season at the ATP level I believe you look for him overall yeah 11 and 22 on the year I just this is a match Tommy should win and obviously the three set loss to Sebastian Korda, uh the third set was a little disappointing in how lopsided it was but I thought Tommy played really well in San Diego now the four set first round loss to Carbeas Benia at the U.S. Open that was disappointing but you look for him this summer he qualified in one first round matches in both Cincinnati and in Canada you look for him overall on the season reached a career high of number 50 back in June currently at number 60 feels like a big opportunity for him and I love his game on a slow hard court I just think again keeping the return low tracking down the first volley of Feliciano Lopez from a matchup perspective that's what Tommy does best there's a reason he's a minus 370 favorite this is a must win for Tommy Paul I think he gets the job done and then for Francis I mean he's been excellent this year and there are too many other players who have made bigger breakthroughs but You know, he's up to number 51 in the rankings, 34-25 and here this season. Hasn't played since making the round of 16 at the U.S. Open. Made a quarterfinal in Winston-Salem the week before. Round of 16 for him in Canada. Three set loss for him to Diego Schwartzman in Cincinnati. You look for him overall this season on hard courts, 21-14 and on the year. And him on a slow hard court, give him more time to get that forehand backswing right and make proper contact with it. Lights out. You look for Benoit Pair. He's been I suppose a bit resurgent of late. Uh, makes around uh, quarterfinals in Cincinnati, he makes or gets wins in Sofia and Winston Salem, but you still look for him in his last 52 14 and 30 overall. Two guys on different career trajectories right now. I think, again, this is a must-win sort of match for Francis Tiafoe. He can't get lulled into playing, you know, the Benoit Pair slice drop shot sort of game. But, of course, if Pair tries those, I mean, when he tries those tactics, Francis Tiafoe is well-suited to respond to them. He's got the craft to match Pair. He's got the foot speed to track them down and do damage with those slices if they hang short as well. I like both guys. The formulas do as well. Give me them in a parlay. We'll throw one unit on it to win .7 in return. That's uh, your parlay for our Ace of the Day here on day one. Now, two quick futures bets uh, for all of you before we wrap today's show. And again, this is on the longer side. We're not going to be doing this moving forward. But in quarter number two of the women's draw... I think it's going to come down to two players. Either number five seed Garbin Muguruza or number three seed Barbara Krejcikova. I think they've both been exceptional this season, particularly for Muguruza on hard courts. I think. God willing, we'll get another showdown between the two of them to, as a rematch for whatever happened in that second set home stretch of the U.S. Open. And I just look at those section of the draws. I see a Kerber. I think I saw Coco Goff in there as well. A Bedosa-Jabert. I just don't think either of that any of those players have the oomph right now to knock off the in-form Muguruza coming off of a title in Chicago, the three-set win over Shabur in the final. I mean, has just been so good at every event this season. I think it's going to be one of those two, and if you bet both of them, we're guaranteed to make money in the end if one of them wins both plus 300 or higher odds. We're going to throw one unit on Muguruza to win quarter number two, plus 300, one unit to win three. We're also going to throw one unit on Krejcikova to win quarter number two, plus 330, one unit to win three thirty, those are your futures bets. Of course, I'm not quite ready to make a proclamation. Who are you know who, who's my pick to win the event? I will say right now, according to DraftKings, Radakanu's the favorite at plus six fifty, Mugaruza plus eleven 1, hundred, Pluskva plus plus twelve hundred, Pluskva, Krucikov and Shiantek all plus twelve hundred, Rabakina plus eighteen hundred is interesting, and a Rabakina Mugaruza final eighty to one odds. I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all, but, you know, it's interesting, Tennis Abstract's formula, they have Contave as a 7.1% favorite, that's the second highest of any women's player, she's obviously not a top 10 favorite according to the DraftKings odds, that's indicative of her form of late, why the metrics love her. I would lean Muguruza right now to win the event, and at plus 1100, that is tasty, tasty odds, but I'm just not quite ready to go there. So let's wait on the women's side. On the men's side, not a shock. Medvedev plus 175, Zverev plus 500, CT plus plus 700. You then get to Rublev 13 to 1, Berrettini, 20 to 1, Sinner, Herkatz, FA, Rude all 28 to 1. That's about the proper tiers, by the way, in terms of who should be favored where. Of course, the percentages like Medvedev at 32%, Zirev, 16%, Tsitsipas 12%, Rublev 10, and then a big drop off. No one else over a 4% chance. Yeah, again, it does always feel like those four, you know, those three in particular—Medvedev, Zirev, Tsitsipas—has separate have separated themselves. But look, none of them have had that much success at Indian Wells in their career. And I talked about it in a tweet: how many players are making their Indian Wells debut? Shontay, Goff, Rodicanu. Countless different names making an Indian Wells debut on the women's side. There are no returning men's champions on the men's side. So we're going to have an inaugural Indian Wells champ here in 2021. Hopefully, we get some chaos. Hopefully, though, we can make sense out of the chaos and put some money in our pockets as we take value out of that chaos. But again, your aces of the day. I'm going to rapid fire through them here. Garon, plus 100, one unit to win one. Wolf, plus 105, half a unit to win 0.52. Johnson, plus 125, half a unit to win 0.62. Konya, minus 125. Uh 140 um uh excuse me, Konya minus two and a half games, minus one forty five, one unit to win point six eight. Damianovich, minus three and a half games over Arcanada, minus one fifty, one unit to win point six six. Kwan, minus two and a half games over Peya, minus one thirty, one unit to win point seven six. Then a Paul Tiafo, line Parlay, minus one forty-one, one unit to win point seven. Futures bets on both Muguruza and Kretchikova to win quarter number two. Those are your GSP aces of the day. Of course, recaps each and every day can be on the mini break podcast feed. We are going to be publishing our day two picks later on tonight. So be on the lookout for that podcast to drop. And again, that's the schedule moving forward. Of course, Patreon match of the days each and every evening as well for our Patreon family. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. With all of that said, for... Our super producers, Max Flegner and Daniel Westhoff. And for all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. These are GSP aces of the day. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone.